Welcome to Paul or Nothing, the place to get all of your Paul all of the time. Join me, your host Sam Wiles, as we discover the history, the music, and the man behind it all, Paul McCartney. To get in contact with the show, email us at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. Hello, hello, and hello, goodbye. Welcome to another episode of Paul or Nothing, the place to get all of your Paul all of the time. I am, of course, your host, Sam Wiles, and today is a very, very special episode indeed. I know I say that more more times than I can count, but this it, it's actually true this time, because being a Paul McCartney podcasting host, you'd think that by now I'd actually have some sort of expertise whilst I'm talking about my gig reviews, and up until now, it's mostly been supposition and guesswork, because... Up until two days ago, I had never seen Paul McCartney live, but that did change. I, of course, did not go alone. Uh, there was only one man who I thought I could possibly take to this to this gig. He has been my podcasting best bud and partner for over four years now. His name is Mr. Tom Quee. He was here for McCartney 2. You all know him by now. Please welcome Tom. Hello, Tom. How are you, my friend? I feel like letting go. Sam, how's it going? <laughs> Oh, we, we, we will get onto that song moment, momentarily. Yeah. Uh, let's just get some basic questions out, out of the way. Did you enjoy the gig, man? Did you have fun? I did. I had a lot of fun at the gig that we went to two days ago. That was Sunday the 16th of December 2018, the O2 Arena. I really, really did enjoy the show, and it's going to be fun going through this. I think I said to you afterwards, and I do stand by what, what I felt, it was a very slick rock star gig. It didn't. It, we could have been in any city in the world, you know, him playing these songs. It didn't feel very bespoke to me, but still, I thought the performances were fantastic. Paul's voice may be lacking in slight departments, but his energy yeah. is uh, yeah. you know, unparalleled and infectious. And yeah, I had a great time. And of course, to see fucking I've Got a Feeling in spite of all the danger, <laughs> Eleanor, you know, to see all these songs that I've adored for so many years played by the guy who co-wrote them well, was a privilege. I mean, Tom, I do have to apologise to you personally now because you must have a huge bruise on your right shoulder because I must have spent half the gig just punching you in the arm going, oh my God, he's playing Let It Go, just hitting you, knocking your two-pint cup out of, out of your hand several times, I am sure. But we're getting a bit too ahead of ourselves. Let's dial back because this was kind of like a, a real fun early Christmas weekend for us, for us really. Mm-hmm. From fiasco to fiasco, really. I arrived at yours in in Oxford, despite the fact that my phone had died and I have no way of contacting you, we basically got fucked up and we spent all day just watching videos and stuff. But we also did our very first live podcast as well that day, the 15th. We discussed Lover Man on your podcast, which is Alpha Metallica. Uh, Lover Man being the cover of the Nick Cave song on their, what is it, their, their eighth album, Garage Inc? Was Something it? like that. Their, their, their covers double album that they released. Yeah, so I do this podcast called Alpha Metallica, kind of similar to Paul or Nothing, and it's a deep dive into the band's. Your back catalogue their discography but slightly different where each episode is going to be about 160 episodes it's just one song of the band we're going in alphabetical order hence the title and yes Sam was on for Lover Man I was meant to have this guy on called Matthew who had told me months before we booked the episode he was a magician in Minnesota or something and he wanted my address in Oxford to send me this envelope to open live on air so it's a shame that episode didn't go down I actually did give him my address so maybe I'm regretting that I've received nothing since from him but yes sam was on for love <laughs> sam was on for lover man and um you know if you enjoy paul and nothing you enjoy hearing sam's long digressions on music it was a really fun chat it's weird that i seem to have re- replaced your interview with ted kaczynski how fu- what someone's gonna send you a package in the post that seems very mm-hmm, strange mm-hmm. that's 
that is not a podcast that we will ever ever do folks do not send me your crap do not send me your tut i'm not going to open it on this show but anyway next day we wake up we wake up very prompt and early because we decided quite early on that we weren't just going to sit around and get fucked up all day we were going to have a proper day out in london which was fantastic we had our beers confiscated on the coach which was very <laughs> we had one yeah it was it's like being told off it was very debilitating for like two minutes it felt very weak i didn't really know it was I very emasculating focus, like... wasn't it to it was to have a, was, a bus yeah. driver who even I could have beat up, like actually tape. I mean, he seemed like a nice guy. I don't want to be an asshole. And it was, it was like nine fifty a.m. or something. But yeah. I mean, what the fuck? We weren't rowdy, yeah, you know. Like. We, we weren't like lob, we weren't like lobbing the bottle at the driver or anything. But you know, anyway, that's not the worst story about fluids that day. But that might be a podcast tale for another time. <laughs> Rather interestingly, actually, we actually met up with another musician that day, our good friend Andy Jones, who's a who's a who's a busker down by Nelson's Column. That was fantastic. Mm-hmm. We ate, we drank, we finally got the O2, and that is where I bought what I'm wearing now. It was actually you, I think, who said, "Shall we get some merch?" And I never actually thought about it until we actually got there. But this might be the only chance I'd ever actually have to buy some Paul McCartney merchandise. I got the uh, Egypt Station mug. Yeah. I, I'm drinking out of it Same. right now, literally <laughs> right now. Yeah. It, it was it was great. I'd never been, you know, the O2 Arena. Um, myself and my friend Ryan had seen Seinfeld there in 2011, but I'd never been there for a music gig before. Um, you know, we approached it. It was quite easy to reach. Yeah. The truth, I think it's North Greenwich Station. And yeah, there was um, a giant sort of merch. I guess it's sort of part of the building, but it had a large queue outside it, and they had tons of material there spanning his whole. There was back a Ram T-shirt, fucking very, very props. Cool. Whoever decided that, that's a good t-shirt. marketing yeah. team. They... There was a driving rain pin. <laughs> it was hard to see, but it was there. There was a lot of good Egypt Station stuff, which is nice because Egypt Station is actually quite a decent album. But like, but like you say, driving rain. Oh god, the merch for that tour. Uh, yeah. Do you have anything with back in the USSR on it instead? Yeah. <laughs> and we got in there, and it was cool to see the huge demographic that Paul crosses as well. You know, it was so busy. Obviously, it was sold well, out. Well, I mean, the entire crowd was probably the most diverse crowd I have ever seen. Every single walk of life was there, and that's just a testament to the fucking Beatles themselves, isn't it? Like, Of course. I, I can't think of any subsection or division of humanity that would stereotypically not like this music. No, it's like it's like if you put Mr. Bean on and you had the world's nationalities watch. I mean, I think Mr. Bean's absolute cancer, but if you had that on, people will connect to it. And similarly, if you put on a bit of driving rain, people want to buy the pin. Maybe Charlie Chaplin would have been a, be- a better analogy, but... Yeah. Let's get on to the bad news. We almost didn't didn't see the gig, did we? I didn't know if you were going to say this on the on the show, so no, um, we didn't. I've I've talked about my own mental health on this podcast before, so I think it's only honest that we do discuss it. I'm a severe agoraphobic. I don't do well in big spaces. I mean, this was news to me though. Like, oh, we... dude, dude, I've kept this secret. Yeah. For a while, actually, it's 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 very embarrassing. I mean, um, it's not, I, it's I, something to be embarrassed about. I only found out that one of our close closest friends. I will call him the Mong for your for, for your sure sure. He's on antidepressants. I didn't know that. Right. Did you know that? Um, I no, I didn't know that. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, you know the things we keep from our from, from our nearest and dearest. <laughs> in spite of all the danger, the things we keep, indeed. <laughs> but I mean, so yeah, but you know, well, we... well, 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 Tom, let's just kind of yeah. get this out of the way. I'm interested to hear this from your perspective because I'm not going to lie. Your reputation for being a harsh bastard within our social circle is quite pronounced, and mm. I'm not. I'm not going to lie. Once, once you kind of saw that. 
Okay, basically, I walked in into the O2. I had a bit of a panic attack, vert, vert, uh, vertigo, agoraphobia. I could not sit in the upper bleachers where where we were. We were. I mean, I mean, yeah. As Lennon and McCartney would always crack up when they were in Hamburg. We were at the toppermost of the poppermost. Yeah. If, if this was the Royal Variety performance, we'd be rattling our jewellery. Mm-hmm. You know? Proper nosebleed seats. Yeah. Proper nosebleeds. And I couldn't do it, and I went outside, and I left you up there, because I was genuinely considering just going to hang out in the bar for three hours whilst you watch the show, and then we'd kind of create this lie podcast where I would just have your review transcripted, and and then I'd read it. But what happened was, I actually met a lady outside who was also having an agoraphobic episode, and we kind of bonded over that, and we were like, oh, okay, cool. And And she left honestly mate you were a diamond you were like sam let's just go before before we start before we get too upset and the thing the thing that kept us there is very strange it wasn't us turning back it was the bloke at the barrier saying lads you can't take your beer out the building (laughs) so we were like okay fine and then some janitor i think it was actually the the janitor from scrubs literally came up to us and went have you been to customer services and we're like no and he was like yeah just go see what happened and we get there and uh, I think and then so- we we turned back and there was just a single strawberry. It was really weird. <laughs> <laughs> a single ticket for, for Egypt Station just floated from the ceiling. Just a, a single tiny pyramid just there. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, yeah, it was you know, like I say, I could tell that you clearly weren't in a good space, and I didn't want to push it. And to be honest, if it was Tom Waits, I would have told you to go fuck yourself. Yeah. But because it was Paul, I was like, well, you know. Yeah, whatever. I I'd, I'd invited you, so it was a bit of a weird power struggle. Yeah, kind of... I mean, I would wanted, I wanted to be there. Like, of course, I wanted to see it. But, but yeah, we went to this customer service, and God bless the woman there. She was so helpful. Seriously, dude, did... how fucking helpful was she? She was like, oh yeah, someone just left two minutes ago on the lower floor, and it's right by the door. If you get stressed out and need to leave, mm. I was like. I could kiss you. I really could have kissed her. Yeah. And and we get there. We're in the lower bleachers on the opposite side of the theatre now, and we're we're sat between clearly massive Paul McCartney fans. Both of them wearing the fucking t-shirts and every and everything. Mm-hmm. And we're much lower. We we got our double points. Yes, the O2 does double points. It was fucking mental. We got absolutely yep. smashed. And then we were there. We were just there listening to all the music. And I must say. The music that plays before Paul came on was full of obscure hits, which I was very happy with. We had like Check My Machine and Seaside Woman. I was very happy with all of, with all of that. And then he fucking came on and it was magic. It was just magic from then on. I forgot that I was an agrophobe. And honestly, like the word magic is bandied about and calling the Beatles wizards. Like, I mean, I, th- I think Andy McNabb actually directly quoted saying like the, the Beatles are four wizards. But like... Right. Paul came on stage and he came on to A Hard Day's Night and the night just got better from there, really. What I did find very interesting was all the um, the background visuals that was on all of the screens whilst all the songs were playing. Because mm-hmm. we, we had a nice mixture of genuine music videos, concert footage and like historical footage from the past. But the most interesting footage that was there was the uh, footage from the Beatles rock band, if you remember. <laughs> yes, yeah, that was interesting. What was the one where it was Paul Ram era with, with his baby, that, that photograph of him? Um, was that Blackbird or something? I can't, it was one of the g- gentler songs. Maybe I'm amazed. Perhaps. I think it was Maybe I'm Amazed, actually. Yeah, 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 it was, it was really cool. And again, it wasn't that elaborate of a stage show. It wasn't like you Nothing was, no. No, it was, you know, it was very subdued, really. And Paul, as a performer, is so lovable. He's so emotive. You know, he was so into it. I think all the instruments you could hear well, all the guitar players are great. Everyone's having fun with each other. Look, Paul's like, voice aside, the band are fucking on form. The band, band are crazy. Tight. Yeah. 
yeah. yeah. The band, band are really strong. The set as a whole was really fucking strong as well. Obviously leaning heavy towards the Beatles stuff. Very similar. Well, I mean, we're not going to do a song by song review. I'm going to be no. talking to, to Robert Stevenson, uh, a big, a, a big, a, a big Twitter fan. <laughs> the adventure and... of the steam engine is coming on the pod. <laughs> I didn't even make that fucking connection. That's really funny. Uh, uh, as well as uh, Egypt station references as well. Yeah. 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 But yeah, we're not going to do a full song. You know, we're going to talk about the songs, but when I do that episode with Tar with uh, Robert Stevenson, we're going to kind of do a more of an an inside look at the freshened up tour, as it were. But yeah, we had a hard day's night, fantastic. Then a song that you were not looking forward to, uh, Junior's Farm, which mm-hmm. is a wing song. Yeah. But I remember you 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 kind of looked at me with a bottom lip, kind of outstretched a bit. And there was like a slight nod. I was like, "That's all I need. That's all I need." Like yeah. one, one, one percent approval from from from, from you is, is it's what our friendships never had. So I, you know. I, I, I prefer Paul over Wings. Always have. Oh. in terms of his solo career, I think it's more interesting than Wings. I think I don't, Wings are de- again. I'm not like it's a Paul McCartney podcast. Yeah. It's your podcast. I'm not going to trash Wings, but I just I think Junior's Farm is really symptomatic of that sort of doddery rock that doesn't really have any teeth well i mean i think you did say that the guitar work was better than if jimmy mcculloch was actually playing it which was kind of true yeah Yeah, i mean yeah 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 um i think uh, the next song oh sorry so it was all my loving wasn't it then letting go oh well so so all my loving obviously any beatles fan any paul mccartney fan knows the famous video of paul playing all my loving where there's that the thumbnail is like a 55 year old guy like holding his entire face and crying and that was kind of me in that moment all my loving like yeah, A Hard Day's Night is a classic Beatles song and we have, you know, a lot of many classic Beatles songs. Those kind of early first few, like Love Me Do, Please Please Me, All My Loving, She Loves You. There's something very, very kind of indescribably perfect about those kind of very basic songs. And like, I did feel like one of those little girls in the 60s having to be carried away by like police. But like, Apple! But then we actually got into a song that I did not think you would like. And I saw you bopping along. I'm like nodding your head and I was like oh shit Queen likes a song from Venus and Mars of all things and it was letting go which might have been the song of the night certainly in terms of the choreography um, where the brass section were in the audience and it kept cutting back and forth between that was very exciting yeah it was very love actually wasn't it Mm -hmm. (laughs) just to the left of us when it comes on to the these three um, yeah. trumpeteers and saxophonists just literally stood up out of the audience. And it was a nice li- little way to introduce them rather than just having them fucking be on the stage. And the song just blew down the house. It was it was so loud. I never thought Paul at 76 could deliver Letting Go so well. Um, I mean, yeah, his voice as, a, as an honest human being is not what it could be, is not what it was. As a Paul McCartney fan, it was more than satisfactory. Yeah, it's still got melody and tone. It's not completely tin. It's not, no, no, it's power that he's missing now. It's yeah. power that he's missing. Yeah. Like, like, could you imagine Paul doing Long Tour Sally now? Oh. Paul, Paul doing Oh Darling would be tragic. Or um, Kansas City, Hey, Hey, Hey. Yeah, Just, any of that early stuff, yeah, wouldn't be, wouldn't, wouldn't work. But yeah, Letting Go worked. Who cares was next? Who cares was next? I mean, look, it's, we're playing stuff from the new album. It's it's the dreaded sentence that no one wants to hear. And it came in, and it was fine. But then a shot in the arm with "Got to Get You Into My Life." Which, you know, to see some Revolver live was was a personal treat. A hundred percent agree agree with you there. 
the one thing I did uh, find upsetting about Who Cares was that the day after we actually saw him play that live, he actually released the music video for it, which is okay. which we're also going to be discussing on the show at a later date. And that's way more interesting than the actual <clears throat> visuals that he put up on the screen. And I think him like debuting it a day earlier would have been a, like a nice little treat. But sure. um, got to get you into my life was just insane. It was almost album perfect bar the vocals. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sounded amazing. Yeah, the guitars as well, that rich golden crisp of the guitars. Brilliant. So many of the songs that I didn't expect to be my favourites were my favourites. I, I would never have left thinking, ah, oh, Let It Go was going to be one of, one of my favourites, or I got to get you into, into my life was. Mm-hmm. One that I knew was going to be a favourite for me, just for my experience watching it with you, was obviously Come On To Me, uh, the song that we actually discussed early on the show. It was one of the very last episodes we did before my kind of three-month hiatus. Yeah. Uh, we were not fans of that. No, because especially when it gets into the iPod advert moment. The da, 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 da. Do you want to explain what, what, what you mean by that, Tom? <laughs> well, just, you know, anyone of a certain millennial age will remember those iPod adverts as sort of the touch classic era where it was silhouettes dancing across bright backdrops and all you could see against the black silhouette was the white headphone lead. You know, iconic adverts, classic yeah. adverts. And I could definitely see this replacing Are You Gonna Be My Girl by Jet, which I think was used prominently there. You know, come on to me, it just has an iPod advert feel to me. And the, the breakdown, especially the instrumental, da, 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 da. I remember saying to you when we were actually watching this like, very weak to me that part i don't know whether it's just a production on the album but it definitely didn't have the oomph that the record has yeah greg kirsten massive shout out to that guy he's the guy who fucking made adele and sia uh, i really don't think you could bring everything that he brought to the studio to the live show sure. and just the acoustics wouldn't work like uh, like eat like egypt station i know you haven't explored it in in in, mm. in great depth we actually played the entire thing whilst we were getting fucked up the night before right. but yeah Greg Kirsten brings a lot to that very densely packed album that just really couldn't be done live. I'm not saying it's Sgt. Pepper. I'm not saying it's, you know, any, anything like, like that. But it's quite hard to achieve a lot of what was going on there. Um, then the next song was a bit of a weird one, actually, because we've already had Letting Go, which on the show, if you listen before, you know that I consider Letting Go to be the improved remake of Let Me Roll It. And it's so mm-hmm. fucking similar to Let Me Roll It in its tone, its composition, its instrumentation that I don't know why we had Let Me Roll It next. It was fucking brilliant. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. I saw you sing along to it. The crowd were loving it. It is Let Me Roll It. But if I had to pick one song from this set list to either move to another spot on the set or just to get rid of completely, it would have been that one. Just just have anything else. Something from McCartney too, just to pander to you and me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was nice to see Paul slinging on the guitar. He, na- he, did, this. Dude, he did nail it. And again, the guitar sounded terrific. You know, the whole band sonically was captured. Yeah, again, as I've said on our Wings Over America episode, which was deleted because I was too negative, I'm not the biggest fan of Let Me Roll It. The guitar riff is slowly changing my mind. Like, I think seeing this live, I got a different feel for it, but I still find it a bit more annoying than an earworm. But Let Me Roll It has, you know, big elevating passages, big stadium affectations, and obviously it worked here. Um, Into I've Got a Feeling, which again you know what can you say classic big shout out to rusty anderson who took on the part of lennon's vocals in this one i think he did an mm-hmm. absolutely stellar job for being mccartney's rhythm guitarist fucking yep. good on you man then we had a song that fuck me was not in any of the freshen up tour as far as i'm aware we had let them in from wings at the speed of sound which just was a complete surprise to me it caught me completely off guard just hearing 
Yeah, did, didn't know this one. Didn't know this one. You didn't know let. You, you've never heard let let him in before. That's I probably it. did it for the episode, but I've excised it from my mind. Yeah, it's it's off Wings at the Speed of Sound, the 1976 yeah. one that they kind of did on on the fly. For me personally, just as a, a massive fan of that kind of Wings cheesy era, it just did everything that I needed it, it to do, and the crowd lo- loved it as well. Oh, also in the crowd, um, we actually spotted a bit of kerfuffle early on, a bit of a commotion. Mm-hmm. And not to spoil who the on-stage guests were, but I think I actually found out who was causing the kerfuffle on the lower levels. Emma Thompson was there, the actress. Oh, right. Yeah, she took a selfie with Paul in the um, backstage, so I reckon her mo- moving about might have been what caused that little fuss there. Nanny McPhee in the building? She did knock. Uh, that's a Nanny McPhee reference. Okay, so yes. <laughs> I haven't actually seen it, but I was just trying to think of an obscure actress, a sort of role to pull out there. But yeah, a few of these songs I didn't know. My Valentine into 1985. Yeah, um, My Valentine, it actually played the music video, which I didn't think it would do because the music video shows what controversial actor, Tom? Uh, Johnny, right? It's Johnny Depp. And I was like, ah, Paul, just show Natalie Portman, man. But then again, she's controversial right now because she's fucking taking on Israel. So just don't show the video, Paul. No one in that in that video's PC right now. Just just show some more Beatles rock band footage. But my Valentine, it's the obligatory Nancy song. You know how like okay. when when Linda was alive, he had to play you know a Linda song when he was with Heather. I actually I'm actually not sure what the Heather song was. Uh, I think I know what the Heather song was. It was off Chaos and Creation. I think it's called Follow Me. Yes. Thank, thank you, Tom. Yeah. Metallica fan knows more about Paul, Paul McCartney than me, but you quite famously are the chap who wanted to do Chaos and Creation in the backyard before our mutual friend Morris yep. stole that stole that from you. It's all good. It's all good. I'll be here. I'll be here for driving rain. It's all good. Uh, I I took you to Paul McCartney, so you know, swing swings and roundabouts. Um, <laughs> Although, yeah, but I, I still pay for the ticket, and you almost didn't go, so... I mean... I'm, I'm going to edit that part out. Uh, he, right. he, he didn't pay for his ticket, folks. Um, then, 1985, obviously, yeah, you're a big band on the wrong guy. Everyone knows this song. It's a bread and butter Paul piano number, proper pot boiler. It's kind of like the weaker version of Live and Let Die, but it, it acted like a weaker version of Live and Let Die. It's very, very stirring, very, very soulful, and I could see a lot, of, a lot of clapping for that one, which I didn't think of 1985 as a kind of clap-along song, but hey, whatever. Mm-hmm. Then we have Maybe I'm Amazed. What more can you really say about Maybe I'm Amazed that better critics haven't already said in more eloquent ways? It is just the poor standard that never was a single. Yep. But that almost kind of makes it more of a special live experience. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I think um, in terms of his voice... This is another one you can tell where he's really flagging on it, you know, and I think like most people as well, my first introduction to this song was The Simpsons. I'm pretty sure it plays in the credits of the Linda episode with a poo. I'm pretty certain it does. Lisa the Vegetarian. Lisa the Vegetarian, yeah. Um, Yeah, this was good. Good to see this one again. I'm not head over heels with this song. It's never really affected me that strongly. I think the guitar solos are really nice, and I think uh, the main guy there played that really well. They are quite famously one of Paul's best guitar because he's not an artist that's known for guitar solos really no i'd say i'd say probably taxman's probably his best was um, that so all that was paul did the solo for taxman yeah yeah, oh, yeah yeah george what the fuck are you doing mate george george kind of sucked loki as a soloist like he he was all right like he, he wasn't a hero like anyone but i think mccartney put his boots on with taxman i'm pretty sure he wasn't happy with what harrison did but yeah it's definitely mccartney on taxman Oh my god, I've I've got to look into that because um, mm-hmm. obviously Paul wasn't happy with George's solos on Hey Jude either. Which is... I'm pretty sure Paul did all the solos on Help as well, or the majority of them. I think for the same reason he wasn't pleased with George. 
folks, you can clearly tell which one of us has read the Mark Lewisian books and which one of us hasn't. Uh. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm double checking now that he did the help. I know he did revolt. I know he did Taxman for sure. Yeah. Next song was a song of help. Actually, it was I've just seen a face very faithful it was a very faithful adaptation it wasn't like the wings cover version which is just an absolute abomination abortion fantastic then we actually go on to a song that's not by wings not by paul mccartney and not by the beatles either we have a quarry men song oh paul thank you for pandering to the fucking beetle nerds obviously with a lot of these songs paul does a little story at the start and for anyone who knows anything about Paul McCartney, these are probably the most enraging moments of the show because you have to just sit there going, okay, come on, Paul, tell all these fucking losers who don't give a shit about you what this song means. I knew this eight years ago. And like he, he was even like kind of jiving at a bloke in the audience who was holding up a sign saying 121 times. Yeah, yeah, that was mad. How much I... money has that man spent? <laughs> Jesus like, Christ! It's it's you're just a bit psychotic, aren't you? In my opinion, like it's like you know I do the Metallica podcasts and I have people on the show who've seen them thirty times and it's like come on, that's a bit like, path- that's pathological, isn't it? It's just like go on, ho- go to Mozambique. Like for that money, you could go on holiday <laughs> to Mozambique. I, I know you love this band, we all love this music, but it's just. I don't know, I'm not going to have curry 20 days in a row. Or, or, just see a, or, or just see a different band. Like, go and... Yeah, but look, look, I mean, you know, who, who are we to say? But 121 is pretty over the top. It was very cool to see in spite of all the danger, and it is... Oh, but dude, like, it was improved for the stadium, though, which I noticed. It's not that kind of soft inside John Lennon's bedroom number that it, that it once was. It was a bit more uh, gutsy and a bit more inspirational, which which I really did feel like filled the room a lot better than that smaller Quarrymen version would have. And like it was just a, a, a bit more rocky, but that's because it's not this fucking skiffle band anymore. It's a proper rock band. Yeah. And I think that worked in its favour. Then we... We actually went back to another kind of early Beatles number with From Me To You. Again, everything that I said about All My Loving just transposed that to mm-hmm. to From Me To You. And that's exactly how I felt. You probably got one of, one of the biggest bruises on, on the arm at that moment. Yep. Uh, then I had to pop to the toilet. Came back halfway through Dance Tonight. Um, I'm guessing he, he had the uke out for that moment. The uke was out. I mean, shout out Mackenzie Crook. He's in the video to Dance Tonight. Um, Dance Tonight. I remember Paul being on Jules Holland and playing. It's from memory almost full, right? Oh, it's yeah. It's kind of like mid, literally mid, mid to late 2000s, yeah. Paul would have used like a quarter of an eighth of his fucking lobe in this. Like, it's just a song that he could wheel out at will. Like, you know what I mean? Even the melody, the lyrics, everything about this song is otios. Yeah. Me. Well, he says everyone's going to dance tonight, and then you, you think, right? He's either he's either going to say right night fight or light and he never disappoints in his in his in his rhyming scheme actually i actually did the top 20 cheesiest rhyming paul mccartney couplets and dance tonight didn't come up maybe i need i need to go back to that one because you are right it is one of those ones where it's like i'm not really popular in the mid 2000s i'm just gonna pander to the audience and give them exactly what they fucking want just to get in the charts it's definitely one of those songs and i know that sounds really cynical and I know that you and me get accused of not being sycophantic towards Paul enough, but mm. but dance like yeah, it's it's a great song. But when you compare it to say "Love Me Do," the next song, it just leaves it in the dust completely. It does, it does, it does. It was great to hear this. I felt like I was hearing this over the airwaves of Radio Luxembourg or something like that. You know, it was uh, it was raw, 
I think Love Me Do has grown on me. I still think the Harmonicron Love Me Do ruins it slightly and dates it. I don't really like its place there. But but yeah, can't complain. Please please me being playing in front of my eyes. Are you a, a fan of Lennon Harmonica in general, or do you think I don't? The... I, I don't like Harmonica. I, I, I don't think it should accompany acoustic guitar. I Ooh. think it just maligns it. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Then speaking of acoustic guitar, we have the Paul McCartney acoustic song next, mm-hmm. and. The stage fucking rose out of the ground and Paul was like ascending right, into, yeah. into the heavens on this huge black monolithic plinth and he did Blackbird. Anyone who's uh, a fan of this show will know that Paul has done Blackbird impeccably since 1968. It's the one song that he can't do wrong. Hey Jude's been wobbly at times. Let It Be has been a bit crackly from time to time. But it's almost like Blackbird is this sonic chant that allows his vocal cords and brain to travel back in time briefly. And the odds of someone saying something like, oh, I felt like I was there when the Beatles were going, is going to be rampant on reviews of shows like this. But again, stereotypical as it is, that is how I felt. The next song is one that you told me earlier that day that you didn't like, which rendered my heart asunder. Here today, the other big acoustic McCartney, but solo McCartney song. I was in tears. I think you were on Angry Birds at the time. I thought he absolutely nailed it. What is it about here today that doesn't, rub you the right way uh, I, I mean I, again I, I think I was just trying to maybe gat you a little bit I don't re- remember it too strongly I find it a little fawning I, don't, I have literally no memory of him doing this song I, I enjoyed Queenie Eye the follow up that actually grew on me oh, I know exactly Queenie has grown on me in recent years it's yeah. got that yeah 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 it's got a real nice pulse to it yeah. but that's because it's an old fucking like nursery rhyme children's song so you know like how like black betty's based off old slave songs and stuff like it's not a totally poor composition in the way that that's not a totally ram jam composition like uh, it's not totally poor but he does add a certain paul flair to it that makes it the right amount of cheese and my god was was queenie eye nice and cheesy the next song unfortunately is the primo example of why paul mccartney should be changing the key of his songs lady madonna was not done particularly well you kind of predicted this Mm -hmm. you're not a big fan of uh, george martin pot boilers in general no i mean you like get back but that's kind of like the i don't really even like Get really yeah it's just a 12 bar blues it's not it's not a song (sighs) you don't like the 12 bar blues do you you would not have you you would not have lasted well in 1936 alabama you It's just this 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 skeleton, this clothes horse that you drape your long solos over, and your repetitive call and response choruses. I think it's just you know the craftsmen that Lennon and McCartney were. They, they, and they love this sort of music. Again, I'm not you know I know he loves rock and roll, and I think Lennon said that it got no better than Tutti Frutti. That was the hype and all that sort of thing. That's fine, but for me. There's just no tension in the song. You can just feel where the, where the rise and falls are coming. Well, I said the big flaw with Lady, with Lady Madonna is that it's one of those Paul McCartney songs that kind of tricks you into thinking there's a story and then ends before it fucking resolves it. Like, does she put the food on the table? I don't, I, I don't know. It's just like, it's just kind of like a, non, a non-story, a non isn't it? It's just kind of like listing facts. And then there's nothing worse than when Paul kind of teases a, a narrative and then just sings the opening verse for the final verse. And it's like, ah, oh, you fucking copped out again. But a song that does none of that and is a song that is totally tightly written and a song that is almost flawlessly crafted, Elna Rigby. I forgot that this was on the set list. I'm not sure if this is even on 
other parts of the Freshen Up tour. Oh, another Revolver song. Did you expect two songs from Revolver in one night? I certainly didn't. I mean, I was expecting the I'm Only Sleeping Encore, but <laughs> in place of that, Rigby, I was happy with. Yeah, yeah. amazing, amazing song. Adore this song and um, played really well. Yeah, it, it wasn't as orchestral, really. No. It was definitely more like a kind of a, a soft rock version of Eleanor Rigby, but that still worked. That still worked fine. Definitely, like, I'm glad that it wasn't Wings covering this or anything like that. I don't think Denny and Linda's vocals would have helped the song at all. But um, we actually move on to the song that I was most concerned about and how it would play to a crowd. The actual music video played it in the background, and it was For You, the, the song that Paul to this day claims is I Just Want It For You, and he claims that he had no idea that it was going to sound like I Just Wanna Fuck You in that great Paul McCartney kind of cheeky wink to the audience yeah, kind, yeah. kind of way. Um, I thought it was actually executed quite well. Mm. A lot better than I thought it was going to be, especially with, the, with like, I just want it for you. Like, they, they hit the notes really well. Mm-hmm. It was weird, because I didn't really feel like any of the instruments that are in the song were any of the instruments that the band were playing. It seemed quite distant from what was going on on stage, but that but that was kind of kind of just me. Then we have the second John Lennon composition of the night, uh, a song that I knew was going to happen, but I think my brain intentionally forgot just so I could experience the, the fucking joy of it, was Being the Benefit of Mr. Kite. Ooh, that was great. That was really fun. That was really something. Obviously, having modern production for a song like that just works in its favour. Of course, the Beatles could say if they'd got back together, even in 1980, they could not have done this song. But Paul just, he just brings it out. He's clearly like, look... I want to do a Lennon song, but I also want to pick a song that shows how fucking awesome I am at bass. Oh, being for the benefit of Mr. Kite. There we are. And it does exactly what it says on the tin. Then we have the next obligatory other Beatles cover, because Ringo's not dead yet. We have Something by George. Yep. It was, again, another ukulele song. Anyone who knows this song knows the story Paul tells before he before he plays it, and they know exactly how he's going to play it, because it was almost like someone had taken the clip from the concert for George and just played it live for us, which is either a good or a bad thing, depending on what you think about it. Yeah, I mean, I like the fact that the solo came in, but I think I said to you at the time, like, and I wasn't too familiar with the concert for George clip, I don't like the fact that he sort of rearranges the song rhythmically and plays it with more of a jaunt. Like, it should be more of an elegy, I think. Like, Mm. something more mournful and sonorous. It kind of... I don't know, it sort of took me out of it a little bit. But again, seeing this genius up there of a tiny little uke playing one of the best... Playing the uh, best love song that Paul McCartney and John Lennon ever wrote, according to Frank Sinatra, was a treat. It really... It, dude, it really was. Like, you, like, you know that Paul's like, yeah, this is the George Harrison song that I sing best. I'm not going to disrespect George by singing If I Needed Someone, you know? Then we actually go on to a song that neither George or John would have been happy that Paul would still be playing live. The song that always broke up the Beatles. Obladi, Oblada. It was fine. It was fine. Hmm. You know certain songs where you're like, ah, it's just not the same without the Beatles, like without those specific harmonies. Like, I've got a feeling I was totally happy with that. Well done, Rusty. Like I say, you nailed those vocals. You didn't make me miss Lennon, but I definitely missed the Beatle backing vocals in Obladi, Oblada. Maybe it should be stricken from the set list. Perhaps. Then we had Band on the Run, 
which was exactly how you expected it to to perform. Paul's been playing this song for forty plus years now. What, what do people like about the song "Band on the Run"? I, I don't get it. Um, what I like about it is the middle sixty-two seconds. The but the opening stuck inside these four, and then the band on the run. Yeah, it's fine. It's it's just Paul trying to tap into your pineal gland rather than write something particularly interesting or deep, which which is fine if you want to sell records. But yeah, there's so much more better uh, juices to to suck from on band on the on the run. Then we had back in the USSR and let it be two Beatles staples. I don't think there's anything specific to say on these, are there? He, he just did let it be and back in the USSR. Yeah, yeah, they worked again, and I think the most the majority of the set as it closed out, "Live and Let Die" as well. No, we fun. have to talk about "Live and Let Die" because uh, we had the fireworks. But uh, sorry, Axel and Slash, they did it better. Oh no, no, no! That has been talked about on this show several times. That that that, that the GNR version uh, was that from Spaghetti Instant One or Two? No, no, no! It was off um, a Usual Illusion one. Oh, many, many, many apologies. It was it was off Usual Illusion, but yeah, Live and Let Die with the fireworks. I know I've mocked it on this show before. I know I've kind of taken the piss out out of Paul for doing Live and Let Die for so long and kind of using it as a crutch. But now that I've seen it live, I'm kind of converted. I'm like, yeah, fuck it, Live and Let Die is awesome, and I've been listening to it on constant repeat ever since. And then we closed out the opening set with Hey Jude, which was all the swaying glory that you that you could imagine you know hands in the air lighters candles emma thompson was crying i assume uh, <laughs> it, it was hey jude how can you describe it more than that it's fucking hey it's fucking hey jude then it was about what a five minute break five minute break Something like that. i wouldn't i wouldn't say even that i'd say it was quite quite brief rather interestingly for those who were who were um keeping watch a second drum kit was brought onto the stage mm-hmm. which which uh, got a bit of a ruckus but enough of that uh, we had birthday which is not a song that i ever wanted to hear live i don't give a fuck about birthday it's a very weak part of the white album mother nature's son would have fucking made me come in my pants but yeah <sighs> birthday it might actually be the worst paul song on that album i think that's fair I think that's fair. Yeah, it is. But to be fair, it's not one that he wrote. It is a, like it is a glorified studio jam that is still being played in 2018. Like it's fucking I've got a feeling or something, which it, it just isn't. Opening the encore with birthday. Nah, no, thank you. Then we had the song that we both assumed that would have to be played. Glitter and snow was falling from the ceiling in Tons and tons and tons. We had a wonderful Christmas time, which might have been my second favourite song of song of the show. I remember I just bought us another double pint and, and, and I walked in and the whole crowd was singing louder than any of the other songs the entire night. Um, surely the fact that it was December 16th had a certain magic to it. And it was actually done surprisingly um, faithful because like, it, it's a very cheesy 80s Cynthia McCartney 2 type song. Hang on, the B-side to it is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reggae. What's that? Have you never heard Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reggae? <laughs> oh, By Paul, no? That is definitely going to gonna be on our Hot Hits and Cold Cuts episode, like, oh, seven, five. something like that, or five. Okay. But okay. yeah, it is. Oh, apparently Bare Naked Ladies did a short, synthesized instrumental of the song. Yeah. Wonderful Christmas time. Yeah, they did, but it's not appearing on my top 20 covers of Paul McCartney. So. And Jimmy Fallon covered it on his Christmas Rules album. Let's go. Oh, why did you mention that guy on my fucking podcast? Dude, I don't, go, I don't come on your podcast and mention Jimmy Fallon. Fuck you, man. That is just disgusting. 
Get Back though. We had Get Back next. Uh, this mm-hmm. is this is the song that's been all over the metro. It's been all over Facebook. It's been all over oh, yeah. all over Twitter. Look, look, look. Anyone who was shocked that Ringo Starr and Ronnie Wood of the Rolling Stones, he's the is he the rhythm guitarist or the lead guitarist of the Rolling Stones? Uh, kind of both, but yeah. Kind of both. Uh, he, he and Keith kind of share it. Ringo and Ronnie Wood came came out, which they've done like five times before. Anyone who was shocked and clapped at that needed to leave the arena because you're not a, you're not a real fan. Oh yeah, but these are just people who are in the greatest hits. These aren't podcasters. Oh, they? These, it's not like Ronnie Wood and Ringo have come on and done Octopus's God. It's always Get Back. Sure. Because Ronnie Wood can seemingly only play Get Back, and he was the worst part of the fucking song. I was like, "Where's Rusty? He would have nailed it way better." Ronnie was fine. Oh no, no. I I felt Ringo and Ronnie were quite weak, and they weren't and they weren't really adding much. But you know what, dude? We paid to see one Beatle. We got to see two. We can tell our grandkids that. So fuck it. It was totally worth it. Uh, but yeah, Ronnie, mm, he was fine. He was fine. I don't know what he, this bond he and Paul have where Ronnie Wood always appears on like Paul's live shows. Yeah, yeah. Ronnie Ronnie had that show on Sky Arts like 10 years ago where he would interview musicians in the studio. It was actually quite good. And Paul was on that and they were like really good friends. We watched that it, in so. your kitchen playing a tactics ones. If, if. But hashtag a tactics shout out to a tactics if, if anyone out there knows what a tactics is you can come on this show <laughs> then we had the reprise from sergeant pepper's uh, lonely yeah. hearts club band but it, it was about 30 seconds of the actual track pretty brief yeah then we had helter skelter which was a kind of combination of the eight minute studio version and the 13 minute like demo version and um, it was a it was a very heavy, very long version of Helter Skelter, mm-hmm. and the band just totally went crazy. They were like, "Yeah, it's the last gig of the year. Let's just go fucking mad." And they they were playing stuff that was not album canonical at all. But for a song like Helter Skelter, that's definitely a Beatles song that you don't need to be fully faithful to, especially if you listen to the uh, White Album remaster that recently came out when they show Helter Skelter as a Black Sabbath song. Which is like, boom, boom. Uh, do you, don't you want me to love you? Like a really slow, like, like right. yeah, oh, dude, you'd love it. You'd really love it, especially since you're a big Sabbath fan. And then finally, we closed out on Golden Slumbers, Carry That Weight and The End, which are just more Paul McCartney concert standards. We kind of knew that this was happening and we were already kind of making our way towards the exit, kind of halfway through Carry That Weight. Uh, we were, you know... We kind of seen the whole thing, and I'm always I'm always a yeah. big fan of leaving before the last song just to get a decent taxi. I did the same thing with my parents when we saw Stevie Wonder. We missed out on Stevie Wonder singing uh, Superstition just to get an early taxi, and I have I have no regrets. No, 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 no. I mean, it was a three hour long show, and yeah, we saw ninety nine percent of it, and it was very, very good. I, I assume you're on the same page I am. Set list FM, but at the bottom it has a few more celebrities who are in attendance. Roger Daltrey. Chris Martin, Harry Styles, Olivia Harrison, Jerry Halliwell, and fresh from Bohemian Rhapsody, Rami Malek? Rami Malek was there! Yeah, apparently so! Was he wearing the fake teeth still? I believe I... <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that, that is quite the turnout, actually. Mm. <laughs> That's really cool. I bet like, Rami was there. I'll be portraying him in 30 years in another <laughs> <Yeah>. movie. <laughs> that was our fucking day um tom i do not remember how we got back to your house at all i remember wow. falling asleep at the coach bus stop and then walking in into your house did like did we get to oxford and then get a taxi 
Um, <laughs> we did. We did. I mean, I'm, I really shouldn't do this, and I discussed this with my girlfriend before we went on air, and I'm like, am I going to tell them, him this after the episode or during the episode? So I figure we'll just say it during the episode. Do you not remember that you were, like, l- sick loads in London in the taxi? No. <laughs> no. You don't remember at all? No. Okay, no. well, I actually have a £110 fine from Uber because of that um that you now owe me so yeah that was do you not remember at all we were in the taxi for like an hour no we had to keep pulling over to the side of the road you had to keep tapping the guy on his shoulder and opening the door and then just being horribly sick oh i'm gonna have to get that back to you on a monthly basis if that's okay (laughs) oh my god well matt phillips i know i know you're listening to this now you give me five dollars a month so uh, two more people give me a dollar a month so it's basically going to be my patreon money for the next i can't believe you don't remember that though dude seriously i had such a panic attack in the o2 that i don't care paying 110 pounds i saw paul mccartney Mm -hmm. but i do not remember anything all i remember is is waking up walking into your bedroom to find you bollock naked with your missus and telling you that I was going to go home. And that, and that was it. That was, that was our, that was, you were like, you were like, we were trying to get a taxi. And you were like running away from me. You were like really pissed. And I was like sober. I can't believe it. I'm surprised. Okay. Yeah, man. <laughs> like, I remember the plan was be like, Oh, we'll talk about Paul, the whole coach back. Yeah. Dude. I don't, even, I don't remember the coach. I genuinely. Wow. But it's like an hour and a half. That part of my life's gone totally blackout drunk i'm not proud of it i, I actually put up a, um, a post on the uh, twitter the uh, night before saying do you ever get drunk at a, uh, a gig and people are like nah nah you know you want to be in the moment mm-hmm. but when you're as fractious as me you kind of want to forget how much of a wide space coward you are so <laughs> well it was a very good gig regardless and, you know. and the only time i've ever seen a double pint i've never seen that before or since wow. i felt like a hobbit in brie it was it was a very it was a very surreal surreal moment for me but yeah we, we went we fucking made memories we had we had a lot to drink we had a lot of good food we saw a good friend of ours we saw some fantastic mm-hmm. art we talked about music for two days straight and then unfortunately since i was so drunk we couldn't actually do this on the day which we were kind of meant to do but thank you tom for taking the time out of your evening two days later on the 18th to come and talk to me about this fantastic gig now i'm so glad i, I took you dude i think i said i love you about 97 times during the gig which you only rolled your eyes at once which is a one percent just which is fantastic egypt station songs there were three they were absolutely great he nailed it the beatles songs were indescribable you know this and all the paul solo stuff for me personally as a paul mccartney fan rubbed my balls in the way that exactly how i like it and paul stroking my kind of mental shaft in that perfect rhythm and honestly i know this sounds kind of harsh folks but i don't think i need to see him again Mm. i don't think i do i think i've gotten everything that i need at yeah that experience unless i saw him in the cavern which has a lovely low ceiling um, <laughs> but yeah besides that i think i've kind of oh you broke your cherry like it's it right, it's right. like that i've got it out the way i can kind of hold my own chutzpah when i'm talking to other paul mccartney podcasts about seeing him live and they're not gonna diss me behind my back which i know they do um but yeah, honestly, Tom, it was almost perfect day besides the kind of Coney 2012 level mental breakdown that happened yes. towards the end of the evening. But I'm so glad we did it. 
like thank you to that janitor whoever you are there is a janitor at the o2 arena who actually got us to go and see customer services and he is the true hero of this show um thank you to that custodial servant i would not be able to do this podcast without you could you imagine tom if i had to sit here right now with you and tell everyone about how we couldn't go see the see the show oh it would just not be good content at all would it <laughs> No, you know, I mean, you, you, you punched the wall in a rage, and you actually punched, you you know, you weren't holding back on this concrete slap, <laughs> you let it have it, so I could tell that you were already pissed off, I'm so happy you got to go to the gig, and it was a great Honestly, gig. dude, I felt really cool leaving with bloodied knuckles, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no, I mean, I mean, no, no, one, no one's done that at a, at a Paul McCartney gig since Jimmy McCulloch was alive, but yeah, well. Guys, Tom always does these kind of hot takes with me. He makes me feel very relaxed, and I can do this non-scripted. You all know that I'm the Paul or Nothing compared to the other Paul McCartney podcasts. is heavily scripted. I write all the ums and ahs and commas and, and whatever. This is just a hot take. This was our brief review of, of the entire day. I'm going to go into more de- detail with the inventor of the trains uh, later on another episode. We'll, we'll kind of talk about the Freshen Up Tour as a whole and our thoughts on the kind of presentation and, and what songs were put in there and why and how we would have changed the, the set list and stuff. But this was just our kind of review of the, the day, the day before and the night. And now, since this is you know going to go out, I'm going to have to now legally be obliged to pay you £110 oh that's so embarrassing that's so it's all good folks you must know that this is this is not your mom's Paul Paul McCartney podcast (laughs) but yeah Tom cheers man Um, if if I could see your Egypt Station mug I would clink it right now Uh, I'll just fake a sound now there we are Thank you very much for coming to this gig with me, dude. It was a life-changing experience. We'll be talking about it for years, for years to come. And you know what? Our two other best friends who kind of make up our quartet will never have this. So we'll always have have this over them. It was a great day, man. Obviously, I was never going to give up a Paul McCartney gig a bad review. But I was trepidatious going in. And for the most part, it was perfect. So that is everything I have to say about the, the Freshen Up Tour. If you've got anything to say, if you were on the Freshen Up Tour yourself, please drop us an email at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. Drop us an email on the Twitter, which is at McCartneypod. Check out the blog, which is www.paulmccartneypod.wordpress.com. That's www.paulmccartneypod.wordpress.com. Find us on Patreon, Facebook, and YouTube simply by typing in the name. This episode is going to be out very soon. Keep your eyes and ears peeled for the Egypt Station first reactions review, which is what four months overdue now um and that is a very weird episode because that's an episode that's a real hodgepodge of different recording sessions like a real album um but yeah folks this has been sam wells with paul or nothing and i've been accompanied by it's been tom tom quay again if you've enjoyed this and go back into the paul or nothing archives listen to especially our episode on mccartney 2 it's a great album that i never would have discovered without sam about this podcast really enjoyed reviewing that um, if you want to check out more of my stuff as well Battle Rap Resume I interview all the biggest battle rappers around the world also do a music show called Alpha Metallica as I said before all about Metallica um, yeah Sam thanks again man and uh, I look forward to having the money back yep I'm just I'm just brandishing my wallet now saying goodbye to that coinage already thank fuck I was paid today <laughs> but yeah dude uh, honest, honestly I could just sit here mentally wanking you off and thanking you for this for this great day and for honor and for honestly being a real bro uh during my kind of episode um so mm-hmm. i owe you one 
I mean, I mean, you really, you really were in a spot. Like I couldn't have been, <laughs> you know, I couldn't have been an asshole. But no, of course, man, it goes without saying. And um, yeah, thank you to everyone for listening as well. And you know, people out there, go tell other people about Sam's fucking podcast because it's great, and I love listening to it. Guys, this has been Paul Nothing. Keep listening to Paul. Denny Lane is probably playing us out right now. More details on the Egypt Station and Freshen Up coming up in the very near future. This podcast is back on track. We're here, cocksucker motherfuckers. Paul or Nothing is back in business. We're here to stay. We're here today. Play us out, Denny. Easy. <laughs>